Hey guys, this is Rob and welcome to an experiment. I sound a little out of breath right now. It's because I just did like a bunch of push-ups because I'm nervous. Uh, right off the bat, insider tip for any of you that do anything performance related. You want some advice if you've got some stage fright or nerves before you play or perform? Drink a big glass of water and do a bunch of push-ups or something, some kind of like micro exercise right before you jump out, get your heart pumping. It gets your blood moving away from your head and your brain and gets it pumping, circulating through your body. Helps a ton. Sounds crazy. Tons of people do it. They just don't talk about it. I mean, you think about speakers from Tony Robbins to other music perform. Um, Tony Robbins jumps on a trampoline he carries with him whenever he speaks. I've played for other artists who do jump ropes before they go out on stage. So that's it. I'm nervous about this. I did some push-ups. I feel awesome. Let's get into it. One of my favorite things about doing this podcast over the past six months is the conversations that it started between me and other people, whether that's conversations I've heard you having between yourselves that you've talked to me about some of these conversations I've had with people have spurred interesting thoughts uh, between you guys, or whether it's other people approaching me and we've sat down for coffee and had conversations. Now, here's the deal. I am a massive external processor. I've got friends who are able to think through something, and whenever they speak, they're super eloquent. That's not me. I sometimes feel, I don't know if any of you are like this, but I sometimes feel like I need to either speak it a few times or even write something down before I can even figure out what I'm thinking. Anybody else out there that's like that? But the reason I say that, is because I've grabbed coffee with a bunch of different people and s there's a story that I have alluded to in a lot of these podcast conversations that people have asked me about. Now, <clears throat> I thought this story was a singular event that happened to me a year ago. But as, like I said, I'm an external processor. As I've been talking with people, I've realized that this is actually a story about this past six years of my life. What happens is as I sit down and I talk with someone about it, it's not a story that makes me look cool at all. It's kind of embarrassing. I feel pretty vulnerable telling people about it. But I've realized that as I do tell people this, I can physically, I physically see a response on people's faces. Like the shoulders almost relax. It's like the person I'm talking to takes a deep breath. I've realized it's because we live in a world of Instagram and social media where we are constantly seeing other people's highlight reels and we're comparing our behind the scenes to that. And so when we are vulnerable and we're honest and transparent with other people, it almost gives us all mental oxygen. I've had this idea for this podcast episode for the past, I want to say two months I've known I was going to do this, but for those of you who have been following along with the podcast, you can tell the past couple weeks there hasn't been a podcast episode put up. Side note, massive, huge thank you to you guys that have been following along and part of this journey with me. I am so honored that you would take the time to uh, be a part of this with me. Uh, but if you've noticed that, it's because I've been putting this off 
And that's because of an elephant in the room. Then let's just get it out of here. This is weird. <laughs> I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a ton of you that are listening to this podcast that we've never met before and you've been following along and that's great. But mainly what makes this weird is for any friends of mine or any peers of mine that are listening to this podcast, the fact that I would do a complete episode where I'm going to sit and tell you this story. Like I have something to say, like, uh, I just have been like second guessing myself because it's weird. It's kind of like this egotistical, I don't know, in the world of social media and inside my own head, only seeing other people. It's in this world of comparing inside my own head. I've got this thought of, I call it reverse comparing. And that's where normal comparing, we compare ourselves to what other people are doing that are awesome. And we think, oh man, I'm, I'm so lame. I'm not doing that on their level. But then this reverse comparing that looks at someone doing something and thinking to ourselves, oh, I could never do that. Oh man, that's, that's great for them. For instance, I mean, I love listening to podcast episodes where people just talk and they have something to say, they want to share a story, whatever it is, just one-on-one. -on -one. I listen to a ton of those. But the fact of, uh, man, there's no way I would be able to do one of those. It's Who am I to do that? Anyways, I'm taking the step out there and I'm turning those voices in my head off. So let's get that out in the open. This is weird. But that said, I've got a story that I really feel would benefit people that I don't have a chance to sit down and have coffee and tell this story to you in person. So here's, here's what we're going to do. I want to tell you a story about a bucket list that I made in a Smurf blue house, the two times I turned 30, the secret to landing a gig, flying in private jets, and a New Year's Day in November. All right, how's that stuff related? It sounds crazy, but follow with me. It'll make sense in the end. Here we go. The story starts six years ago in 2011. At this point in time in my life, I had dropped out of college. I moved to Minnesota to study music. Uh, for those of you that listened to the episode with Ian Allison talking about influencers, I moved up to Minnesota, and right when I moved up here, I started studying under him uh, at a university for music performance. Long story short, I dropped out. And I had been living kind of all over the place, crashing on buddies' couches. I mean, at one point in time, I lived with the University of Minnesota's women's lacrosse team. They had a house, and I was the only dude, and I lived with them. Uh, some friends and I lived in an abandoned house. It was just a couple years of haphazard living right after dropping out of school to pursue an actual career in music was my goal. Uh, during this time, my buddy Gabe Hagen, a drummer friend of mine that I happened to go to school with, asked me if I wanted to move into a house with him that he was renting. It was like a two-bedroom ranch home with a basement, and he had completely renovated the basement, soundproofed it, and there was rehearsal space down there in a studio. It was like the ultimate musician home. So I was like, hell yes, moved in with him. And this place turned into like one of the greatest physical spaces of creativity and pushing ourselves that I had lived in up to this time. Gabe and I are really similar in a lot of ways, but we're actually really opposite in a lot of great ways. So we push each other. Some things that he's better than I am about or things that I'm better than he is, strength, struggles, whatever it is. We push our, each other in the greatest ways. So we're living at this place and Along with it being awesome, it also had like a bunch of weird stuff at this home. Like one time we woke up in the morning to find out that we were saran wrapped inside our home and could not open the door. I mean, if think with me, if you ever see e the movie E.T., uh, where they 
completely biohazard blocked off that whole area space and people are walking around in hazmat suits. It felt like that. We woke up in the morning. All of a sudden we heard voices outside saying, oh, just a second, we're gonna, we'll cut you out. So these guys take an X-Acto knife. They cut around this saran wrap area of the door. Turns out the landlord had hired painters, didn't know we were going to be there that day uh, to start painting the house. We left for the day, came back that night, and to our crazy horror, the landlord had painted the entire house and garage Smurf blue. (laughs) It sounds like I'm kidding. Like that's I sounds like that'd be something I exaggerate about, but I'm not even kidding. Think about the ugliest, brightest, almost like royal Smurf blue that you can think of. I mean, this was such a bad paint job that we later heard stories that our neighbors were coming over and cussing out the painters as they're painting the house because they're ruining the neighborhood. It was a total eyesore. So you have this goofiness at the same time. Uh, this is just this hub of creativity and movement. It's just awesome. Also around that time, I had watched a speech that John Mayer did at Berkeley College of Music. I don't know if you guys have watched this. Just Google search John Mayer Berkeley College speech, and it's super inspiring. But one of the things John talked about was... <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't believe I just said John like I know him. Oh, you know, oh, John. Oh, Johnny. Uh, one of the first things, like I know him on a first name basis. One of the things Jay talked about uh, in his speech at Berkeley was talking about the need to have goals and really specific defined benchmarks in your career to define what success means for you. Because if you didn't, you know, you could flow through your whole life and do awesome things, but because you didn't define what success looks like for you, you'll never consider yourself successful and you'll kind of just be floating around. Anyways, he words it way better than I'm butchering it right now, but long story short is that Gabe and I decided that we would make bucket list, career bucket lists. So we pulled out one of those yellow legal pads and we each took one and we sat down one evening and wrote out just a bunch of stuff that we would consider things that we had made it in music. So for instance, on mine, I wrote down, I wanted to go on a bus tour in the US. I had a certain amount of money I wanted to make each year doing just music. I wanted to go on some sort of world tour, uh, touring outside the US, and my goal was over the next two years, I wanted to record on 10 different albums. Now, this may seem a lot bigger of goals for some of you, may seem like really small goals for some of you, but the deal was, for some reason, my entire life with music, I've had this thought of 30 years old. I was giving myself till I was 30 to quote, make it music. I don't know. I never set what the hell that was supposed to mean, making it in music. But that I always said that for some reason, then ever since I was 18, the number 30 has stuck in my, stuck in my mind of like, man, I'm going to give myself till 30. It was kind of like my free up of myself to be like, no, I can do this. I can, I can bounce off couch to couch, uh, take risks because I'm giving myself till I'm 30. And if something doesn't happen by then, then I can get like a career job in some office. I don't know, whatever the random backup plan would be. So at the bottom of these bucket lists that we made out, both Gabe and I signed each of ours. And then we went over it and we signed each other's. And because we're such nerds, oh, this is so cheesy and nerdy, but I also love it at the same time. Uh, We both inked up our thumbs with like a Sharpie or something like whatever we had around the house. 
and we both thumbprinted each of our bucket lists, like the epic, I'm holding you, we're both holding each other to this, this stuff is freaking happening. And the reason I can describe that in detail is because I'm sitting here at home at our dining room table and I have a framed copy of our signatures. Gabe somehow kept these throughout the years and ripped off like the areas that we did our thumbprints and signed. And he uh, ripped it out and framed it and gave it to me as a gift. I love it. It sits above my recording studio desk and I see it every day. Um, Maybe I'll take a picture and put it up on the show notes for this episode. Fast forward two years. I'm married. I'm living with Sarah. I get a call from Jasper Nephew, who's another buddy of mine, some of you know, and Gabe. They call me up. They say, hey, we want to grab lunch, talk to you about something. Can you meet up? We go to South Minneapolis. There's a restaurant called Yum. I, I can visualize exactly where we sat to this day. And I remember sitting with them. And they said, hey, we've been playing with this project called Owl City for the past year or something like that. Jasper had been playing with them for a little bit longer. And they said, We've got a position opening. We want you to join us and play bass for this project. Hell yes. Seriously, one of the... Gr- Let me paint the picture of the first gig playing with these guys in Owl City. The first gig, I said, all right, what's the plan? All right, well, you have two months to learn all the tunes, kind of create your own parts. I was creating my own position within this group. Uh, like no one had played like synth bass or what I kind of bring to the table. So I got to kind of reinvent the wheel for that kind of stuff. So I had two months to do that, bought a bunch of gear, and our first rehearsal for it, they freaking rented out First Avenue, downtown Minneapolis. So those of you that don't are, aren't familiar with First Avenue, like all my favorite bands that have ever existed played at First Avenue downtown. Prince's Purple Rain was recorded. It's just like a Minneapolis staple. And I remember our first rehearsal was completely rented out. We had the place to ourselves. The guys were skateboarding in like the main pit where everybody hangs out. It was It was crazy. It was surreal. The next day, we jumped on a private jet and we flew to Detroit to play for. We were it was a corporate gig, I think, but we were open up for the fray. But that day was so insane. My first gig with these guys. I woke up. Gabe picked me up. We went and grabbed coffee at Five Watt in South Minneapolis. Shout out Five Watt. Grabbed the Kingfield. I remember we got a Kingfield coffee, one of their specialty coffee drinks. Drove to the airport into the private wing or the private terminal or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, someone took our car. They had everything waiting for us, jumped on the jet, flew to Detroit, played the gig. I was back home and in bed that night. And I remember laying in bed, staring at the ceiling in this, just almost in shock at what just happened to this crazy day and this crazy, like bucket list gig. Man, another thought. A lot of people ask me when it comes to like, well, how'd you land this gig with Owl City? All this like, crazy stuff happened. It literally happened the exact same way any other gig has happened for me. Friends asked me to be a part of it. People I knew, relationships I had, they said, hey, we have got this position. We want you to be a part of this. Every cool thing that's happened to me in my career is only because of friendships I have. If you're interested in diving into that kind of conversation a little bit more, I talked with Taylor Johnson in question 20. How'd you land that gig? We dive into a little bit deeper of his thoughts on that. Uh, Just if you're a little side note, if you're interested. And I say all this because this turned into one of the coolest musical experiences of my career playing with Owl City. Not because of the name or the size, but it was mainly because 
traveling the world, making music with your best friends is the craziest. Like I feel like every time I walked on stage, I had this feeling of I had somehow cheated the system. Like somehow I was getting away with something and I was just waiting for someone to figure out that I was just faking my way through it all. And that now, okay, now we're actually going to have the professional come in and do your job. Uh, but we're, I remember we were flying for our Asia tour. We're going to be gone for a month touring all over Asia and we flew out on the day I turned 30, July 31st. And I remember it because we f- left that day and when we landed because of the time change, I got to have my birthday over again. And I just remember this is it. Like I gave myself till I'm 30 and what are the freaking chances that on my 30th birthday, I'm flying to Japan with my closest friends to get to make music that was a blast to make. All of this, all these, uh, the Asia tour, all these one-offs, it was all gearing up for a full album cycle to push a new album that was coming out. For those of you that don't, uh, are in the music scene, what an album cycle is, is when artist puts out an album, depending on how big the artist is, they go on tour. It could be from anywhere. The tour could be from a year to a couple years, depending on the level of the artist. But this was all gearing up to at least a year or a year and a half touring cycle. But long story short, because of stuff with the label, uh, the band or Adam leaving the label, starting his own thing, taking a break from it a while, a year and a half turned into four weeks. So we do our U.S. bus tour while I'm 30. Final thing to check off on the bucket list. And I remember finishing up that tour and it was great, huge success. And then I'm home with nothing on the books back where I started. A year goes by, I'm in Minneapolis, and I remember the date specifically. It was November 1st, 2016. And I've got this New Year, what I call a New Year's practice. It's uh, this kind of ritual I do every month. On the first of every month, I treat it like a mini New Year's. And I look at the last month, and I look at like the books I've read, things that have impacted me, things I've learned. Uh, I take stock in that last month, and then I look at the, n- the next month coming, and I kind of get a game plan. What gigs are coming up? What's my plan? What am I working on? And I was looking at the calendar for November of that year, and I realized I had no gigs coming up. So I had a, st- a church gig that I had and that was steady but besides that I had no gigs with artists no studio sessions I just remember I I didn't freak out looking at that month but I just thought huh that's interesting Uh, I wonder about December so I flipped the eye calendar to the next month and December was the exact same way nothing and then I so that's when like panic starts sitting in I'm like this is crazy and I looked and I remember The next gig I had between November 1st was on January 27th, and I freaked out. Now, I know a few of you listening have had actual panic attacks. I've got friends who have dealt with that. In past conversations, I've kind of just labeled it a panic attack. It really wasn't like a full-blown panic attack, but more of just a mental freak out of like, what the hell am I doing with my life? It was more one it was a situation where you know every doubt that you have about your career, about your skill level, about what you've decided to do, about the future, you know how those just kind of come in your head at different times. It was like every one of those thoughts completely got dumped on me at the same time and I was just freaking out. 
So I did something that's kind of cheesy for a lot of people, but I'm like the one place I knew where I just needed to relax for a second. So I took the hottest shower possible. That's so cheesy. But I remember I got in this, I just took a hot shower and I think this hot shower turned into like being 20 minutes, 30 minutes long, just sitting there in hot water. And as cheesy as that sounds, I remember just, it was calming me down. I was sitting there and I, this thought popped into my head. When you're comfortable you don't have to ask the hard questions. So I had this thought that said, if I had, I don't know what the minimum amount of gigs or opportunities coming up, if I had like one gig a week or even one gig every two weeks for the next couple months, it'd be kind of a bummer that it's a slower time that all musicians go through, but I wouldn't have to ask these hard questions of like this freak out that I'm going through. So since it's uncomfortable, now I'm like asking and reevaluating everything with my life. So I say that, because in a weird, almost perverse way, I had this thought of almost being thankful for this moment popped in my head. So I got out of the shower and I'm thinking about, okay, like maybe this is a good thing. Like I'm really glad this is happening right now and not like 10 years down the line or 20 years, whatever it is. I'm thankful that I am being forced to ask these questions of what the hell am I doing with my life right now? So I remember that next week I got together with my buddy, Aaron Johnson, who's a drummer in town and like an older brother to me. And we were getting together just to talk about different stuff. And I remember telling him about my mixed emotions of everything, because on one hand I made this bucket list of my career things I wanted to accomplish. And I was super pumped. Like I was really proud that this stuff happened And I was thankful that I'd gotten to do this stuff with my career. But on the other hand, I had this like crazy feeling of like freaking out and almost discontentment. What am I doing with my life? Uh, Which is such a weird thing to say because if that discontentment or freaking out isn't something you'd think someone that has gotten to do these things would experience. But the more I've talked to people, we all go through moments like this. Anyways, I remember telling AJ this and he said, you know what your deal is? You need a bucket list big enough to live in. And man, even when I'm saying this right now, it sounds a little cheesy. I even brought it up to him later after he said this and he doesn't even remember saying it. But in the moment, in that conversation, it was the most mind-blowing, perfect wisdom bomb that he could have dropped on me. And the thought is this. It wasn't a conversation about bucket list being a bad thing. It was the thought that bucket lists are great tools for goal setting, but if you put your only hope and fulfillment always in the next thing or future results or things you want to accomplish, you're setting yourself up for emptiness and discontentment. I remember going home and chatting this through with Sarah, and she said that this whole conversation to her and this thought and this mindset wasn't about not setting goals, but it was more about focusing on the space in which you exist in this season of life. That's huge. I, and as I just remember realizing he was totally right. Bucket lists are great. Goals were great. But I needed to focus on getting a bucket list big enough to live in. Uh, so some questions that I came up with that almost became my mantras were this. One was, what do you actually do? 
not just the micro thing. So for me, I just, I'm a bass player. I'm a music director. That's what I do for a living. But I realized thinking big picture, no, actually what about that is what you actually do. And I would repeat that over and over to myself till I figured it out. I realized I'm not just a bass player. I'm actually a translator. My job, yes, playing these four strings that make low end frequencies happen within music. That's part of my job. But the real thing that I do is showing up with an artist and helping them translate this idea, this song that they have into a live setting and a live performance that impacts people on an emotional level. And by figuring out what my actual big passion was like that gave me so much mental oxygen. It was crazy. The other question that I had that really has become my mantra over the past year is what's the next thing to make? I kept asking myself over and over. I wrote down on a piece of paper. I literally stuck it up on the wall of my studio. What's the next thing I need to make? And out of that, I realized I had been sitting on this idea for a podcast for the past two years and putting it off. And I realized I'd been thinking almost too big picture. Well, what's this podcast idea need to look like? What's it need to do? And that leads me to my next question for myself. And that was, what's the work that needs to be done today? What's the small doable action step that I can do today. And from that, I realized, well, I don't know what this podcast is going to look like besides the fact that I want to sit down and interview people that I find interesting. And I want to do these interviews on location, out and about, so not in like a quiet studio, but like in bars and coffee shops and restaurants. And I also realized that I wanted every title to be a question. That's literally all I had. And I realized that's just how that's not a problem that's how things work anybody that's had an idea to make something great it all just starts off you don't get all the information right off the bat you just get a couple little slivers of what it's the first things are supposed to look like and then you just have to ask yourself what's the work to be done today i don't know if you guys have read this book called the war of art it's by a guy named stephen pressfield but the deal with this book is really diving into what it means to be a professional. And that means sitting down and playing the long game, trusting the process and figuring out what is the work that needs to be done today and putting in the time and the hours. So anyways, that's my story. The time I made a bucket list in a Smurf blue house, the two times I turned 30, the secret to landing a gig flying in private jets and the new year's day I had in November. I have no answers. This isn't an advice thing. But I will say this, it's November again. Uh, All my career music thing, I haven't landed a massive tour. I'm not going out of town for anything the rest of this year. I'm just playing in town. Nothing crazy's happened to say, like, if you just believe the doors are going to open, the phone's going to fly off the hook, whatever it is. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme where you can make it, but the thought is it's a year later, and I can tell you from experience... I've never been more laser focused in my life. I've never been more content in my life. I'm living smack dab in the middle of my bucket list. And I could not be more pumped about it. So my thought is this. Wherever you are, whether you are in the middle of a massive career change, one season ending, a new season happening, a new season beginning. Whether you don't know what the future looks like and you're in a massive place of confusion, whether you 
have this tiny idea of what the future, you have got this crazy idea. Maybe you have this idea, you've always thought you wanted to write a book and you don't know what the book's going to look like, but you have kind of like a couple ideas of a starting point, wherever you're at. My hope and the reason I'm sitting down and telling you this is I hope you'll make goals. I hope you'll dream massive. I hope you'll make massive bucket lists and sign them and thumbprint them with your best friend, hold each other accountable. But more than that, I hope that you can find a bucket list big enough to live in. Oh man. And even saying this right now, it sounds so cheesy, man, but that's really it. That's all I got. I just wanted to tell you the story in hopes that encourages you. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I know this is a, this is an experiment. Hit me up on social media. Maybe you're like, dude, just stick to interviewing other people. Maybe this inspired you, helped you. I don't know. That's all I got. Man, I hope you guys have a great week. Oh, you know what? I would love to hear where you're at. If you're in one of these seasons of life that I was talking about, uh, if you're trying to figure out the next thing, wherever you're at, I would love to hear your story. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. All my social media stuff is at the Rob Morgan, or you can hit up the podcast hotline, the numbers in the show notes. I would love to hear a message from you, man. If you're in a place and you think your story, you've learned something that would inspire other people's freaking leave it on the podcast hotline. I'll share it in one of the future episodes, but that's it. Holy crap. I cannot believe I've been putting this off, racked with nerves for so long, but now it's out there. We can move on. (laughs) I got more people I need to talk to. I got things to do, music to make. Man, hope you guys are living in the middle of your bucket list. Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever you, you, you know, the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness?
I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. Alright. That's it, thanks. <laughs> uh, I love that crap. Alright, have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. <laughs> Say the most random thing you can think of. No. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. <laughs> Perfect.